like uh, for a lot of criminals, um, they eventually get caught because they fail to uh, reinvigorate themselves, reimagine themselves. So they just keep doing what they're doing, and eventually the police catch up with them and 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 they get done, you know. Mm-hmm. But Christie has constantly reinvented himself. I mean, in in, in the most incredible ways. Um, even when he reached the pinnacle in Spain, where he was obviously at the pinnacle as, as a trafficker and a distributor, he again reimagined himself then as a businessman in Dubai, constant reimagining and therefore has allowed him to stay to a degree at times one step ahead of the law. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Dapper Don Christy Kinnahan was planning an African escape with his partner, Yessi Yildirim, to Harare in Zimbabwe, where he hoped to settle with his family while taking control of one of the world's key cocaine shipping routes. Reporters from the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists discovered that Kinnahan posed as a humanitarian aviation consultant and with Yildirim's help, tried to buy a fleet of planes from the Egyptian military. Today, I'm speaking with Niall Donald about the incredible ambition of the Dublin cartel boss, who's always remained one step ahead of the law and of his contemporaries. We talk about his top-level business dealings in plain sight, about his ability to reinvent himself on the world stage while remaining out of the limelight, and about the complex love life of an accomplished fraudster. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. The International Consortium of Investigative Journalists um, are an organisation made up of uh, journalists from all over the world, basically working together, almost like a sort of a Europol or an Interpol of of the the journalist media. And they are a fantastic organisation. It's wonderful that there's still funds being put in to this kind of journalism. And they have been focusing over the last couple of months on the Kinahan organisation in particular since the US sanctions last April. This is their second kind of big deep dive, uh, even though I don't like that word. But anyway, we call it that a deep dive into the Kinahan organisation. And this relates to a bid by the godfather, the dapper Don, Christy Kinahan Sr. to buy a fleet of obsolete Egyptian military aircraft. Yeah, I mean, it's an incredible uh, level of detail. Um, really, really admirable that they can get get a hand on this. Um, and this this international group, I think a large part of their focus has been on the dirty money washing through Dubai and, and the other Emirates. I mean, that's been their bigger focus. But as part of that, they've really started to narrow in on the Kinahan cartel and to look at how they're using um, that mm. base to, to really wash a lot of uh, drug money through the system. And, um, you know, we, we, had a, we had a first kind of sense um, earlier this year about how Christy Kinnan Sr. in particular had moved into the, the business sphere and he was focusing on, on air ambulances and moving uh, planes in, in true Africa. Yeah. But it's incredible to see... Uh, some of the details that they have and just the, 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 the level at which he's operating. I mean, it sounds, if we had written 
a story four years ago. Christy Kinnan Senior was going to buy a load of trying to buy a load of military planes out of Africa. He would have got e- an even harder time on Twitter. Put it that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that is the case that he they have the contract. They have him at the the a conference. They have uh, WhatsApp messages between uh, Christy Senior business associates and and um, Egyptian uh, military representatives and basically I'll just I'll read it out rather than get it wrong and um, he was attempting to buy uh, DHC5 buffaloes uh, which are from the, the Egyptian military uh, Egyptian military planes they're basically being decommissioned no longer in use um, and he was he had put together a deal, uh, Christie Senior. He, in part, he was putting up money. So it was what was mentioned was between he would put up twenty five percent of the money in cash, which would be maybe up to five million, and then he was trying to get financing from uh, a company in Dubai who would put up part of it. Um, so you're talking about incredible levels of money. Mm. Um, as part of his uh, overall attempt to set up a company of air ambulances basically i'm going to show a tiny little bit of knowledge now i okay. mean now it is tiny yeah. and really minuscule about planes and stuff but these planes have an ability to land quickly and to take off quickly and i think those are the kind of planes that you see landing on military bases at sea you know you can have often yeah. you know, have you'll have these sort of uh, landing strips which are very small but they are also the planes that ultimately drug dealers like to use because they can land on makeshift uh, airstrips anywhere and they don't have to kind of come into major airports etc like obviously they want them to land somewhere discreet and to take off somewhere discreet yeah yeah i mean they're obviously designed for 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 armies who have to land in in, without land landing strips and then they're also used by air ambulances that's my knowledge yeah but obviously credit me on that well done nicola thank you absolute genius yeah but uh but so in the background of all of this, um, as, as drug trafficking across the globe has, 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 in recent years, there's been clampdowns on maybe on container ships going. So in, during that time, uh, the route through Africa has become more and more important over, um, over the last decade, maybe a couple of decades, where drugs are being landed in Africa, uh, flown by plane through the that large continent landing up in North Africa somewhere, maybe Morocco, somewhere like that, and then there's a route into into Europe. And that's become an increasing uh, feature from getting drugs from South America through into Europe, into the one which has become a huge, huge market. And isn't it interesting this to see the ripple effects of that, which, you know, this is the wider picture in it. Okay. That route becomes so important that to take over and Christy Kinahan was so ambitious. He didn't have enough when he moved to Dubai with a billion dollar cartel, as the US told us and valued it as. He then wanted to go a step further, which was to take ownership of that route through Africa. And what I was told was the ownership of that route is of equal importance to the Colombian cartels who produce, price and ship the cocaine. There is nobody more important than the person who who controls that route. No, and I mean, if you look at the Mexican cartels, that's how they rose to prominence. They weren't producing the cocaine and they weren't necessarily selling it. But because they had a route into the US, mm. they, they they rose to absolute power. Because yeah. there was only, that was, they, 
that was the last way into the US. So this is something similar that the, the Kinnahans are trying to do. They're trying to control that African route. So what was Christy Kinnahan trying to do, become the Elon Musk of the drug world? <laughs> well, it's, well, I suppose in a way... He was. Well, it, uh, it, or is it a Jeff Bezos, yeah. where you become the logistical supplier of somebody else's product, like Amazon. Yeah. They don't produce anything. They yes. don't do anything, but they just move people's products around. Um, and maybe that's what he was trying to do. He was yeah. trying to become the Amazon. He was the Amazon of the dr- of drugs and yeah. cocaine. And the other point to make about that is do you have because to, uh, point out Jeff Bezos is not a drug dealer. Or... <laughs> yeah, sorry for the lawyers. Neither no, no Elon, no, yeah, Elon <laughs> Musk and Jeff Bezos have no involvement in organized crime. Just to say, um, but equal of equal importance in all of that scenario is the rise of the Dutch Moroccans in particular. So the Moroccans were always moving cannabis. Yeah. Okay. So that was their route across the, the shipping route from Morocco into the beaches of Spain, where it was then landed, brought up usually into warehousing, divvied up and driven up through Europe over to the UK and onwards to Ireland. Uh, a very important route for cannabis. But I think in the last 10 years, the Moroccans realised, hang on a second here, why are we just moving cannabis? We have this amazing route which has worked for decades. They are smugglers. Yeah. So why don't we smuggle the cocaine as well? And that's risen them to a prominence that before they knew no... I mean, the likes of Rido and Taji and his gang, they went in the same direction as the Kinnahans did really in, in, ma- in manner of importance within the drug world, they went from street dealers to these mega wealthy, powerful individuals that everybody's dealing with. Everyone's dealing with the Dutch Moroccans now. Yeah, I think landing as well from, from North Africa to Europe, I mean, there's just a massive coastline there. Mm. So they, they don't have to, there's obviously a huge risk in bringing in large shipments on containers if something is caught, if there's a piece of intelligence, it everything is gone. Mm. But the risk is obviously diminished when you're landing on a, a coastline of thousands of miles long uh, in the Mediterranean somewhere. And they were landing, of course, all through Spain, but also through Portugal. I mean, that's a huge place to police. Yeah. So you see Christy Kinnan buying these, these aircraft. And obviously Africa is a massive massive continent just physically that's a huge route to get from sort of the southern part of africa to the the north or the west of africa and you go through a large number of countries so obviously the air route is the way to go i mean i don't think we've heard much of people actually driving through africa with big shipments so he's looking here um to buy a lot of aircraft yeah and Um, you know michael o'sullivan who was involved in Mawak, the, the marine sort of drug, uh, uh, what would you call them? The, well, they're the, an international organisation, I think. What sort of they were based in Lisbon and yeah. they were basically policing the, the seas. Yeah. And they were largely kind of going after those massive motherships, those container ships yeah. that were leaving South America with the big loads. Yeah. But he always described it as if you got one of them, yeah. you're really going to cause damage to a lot of people. Whereas if that landed, it was like taking a big glass ball and dropping it and it would shatter into a million pieces. Yeah. And once those big container ship, those mother loads land and they start divvying them up, it's much harder to, you yeah. know, to seize enough because you're you're chasing after various different, in this case, the planes, they'll all, it'll, all this shipment will be divided into the planes and they're yeah. moving them in smaller loads. So it's kind of like, you know, it shatters into a million pieces. Yeah, it's, it's got mule smuggling, I suppose, they used to mm. kind of call it, even though it's on a much larger scale. So, I mean, that was one thing, Christy Kinnahan, 
a quick Google, you'll see this guy over decades has been involved in the drugs business. I mean, right back to the 1990s, there's convictions. But amazingly, um, what the International Consortium of Journalists has found is, despite that, I mean, that really, really extensive history and I mean yeah. it's not like you could say his son Daniel can say I have no convictions yeah. I mean Christie has loads and loads of convictions but despite all of that criminal past um, he's attending business conferences mm-hmm. he's attending uh, they have him attending a conference run by one of these uh, food agencies the World Food Programme the World Food Programme in, in Sharm El Sheikh in, in Egypt sitting there Wearing a, a business suit. Going uh, under the name Christopher Vincent, does he use the second name Kinahan? Well, he use. I mean, he goes under the name Christopher Vincent in terms of his business cards. Is he calling? Sort of is stuff, he using Vincent as his second name in these well I interactions, mean, or is he calling himself Christopher Vincent Kinahan? A lot of it seems to be Christopher Vincent. A lot of it seems to be Christopher Vincent. But however, like on his documents and his passport his passport it's yeah. still it's still Kinnahan. Yeah. I mean it's not it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work it out. So that's the I think that is nearly the most incredible bit. Yeah. That you, you this guy is just beyond dispute a drug dealer. Um but mm. he's still operating in that in that way and still producing as we saw of course before on LinkedIn um you know writing about about charity and mm. about about all these things, it's amazing people can live such a, a double life in public. Yeah. You know? Well, the world's a big place. The world is a big place and people, maybe people don't Google names and maybe it's just enough for you to not even officially call yourself Christopher Vincent, but just rename yourself and off you go. But it depends always, always how you present yourself, doesn't it? I mean, no matter what. In it your does. If you present, and I mean, always remember, Christy Kinahan Sr., his background is... Ultimately, the heart of his being is he's a fraudster. Yeah, a scammer, like a, yeah. a, a, a you know, a, a chancer. Obviously, he on has a massive on scale. a massive scale. He's yeah. like a catch you, me if you can type of a character. Ultimately, yeah. while he has chosen the drug business to, for his, you know, to make his millions, he's ultimately, and and his, I suppose, the buzz with him is to pass himself off. Yeah. as these things and to, and to pass himself off as this international businessman, um, which indeed he has. Now, just to give a shout out to the Malawi platform for investigative journalism, and I'm going to actually try and get in touch with them and see can somebody come on because they were the ones who originally got some of the details of these air ambulances and the business yep. moves he was trying to make in Africa. We were able to follow that up with uh, our own contacts that showed why he was there. And the yep. reason he was there was to try and actually take over the route up through Africa to North Africa and onwards to Spain. Um, now, the the um, the Consortium of Investigative Journalists has brought it on another step here now with this story about him trying to buy the Egyptian military planes. And we'll come back to that because that ultimately fails from. But in the meantime, once this broke, we're able to move it on another little bit. It's like yeah. we're all pushing a giant, big, heavy weight yep. here um, to try and bring this story on. And we were able to identify through this story um, the Dapper Don's doll, as we called her, which was, you know... A bit, <laughs> it's a bit 1980s. It's a bit 1980s. It was a little bit... What? Well, it's uh, yeah, it's alliteration, which is... Important. Yeah, anyway, we'll excuse ourselves for that. But nonetheless, she is Christopher Vincent Kinahan's uh, lady who has been on the go for as much as we can see 
probably 10 to 15 years. She was with him in Spain in the aftermath of Shovel, certainly, and had a number of children with him. And she moved to the United Arab Emirates with him as well. Um, her name is Yessi Yildirim, and she's a Dutch Turk um, of Turkish or- origin. I think he met her in the Netherlands. Now, the photograph we have in the paper and on the website is an oldish one. It's dating back about 10 years, but nonetheless, it's her. Um, and we were able to get confirmation that that is indeed her. She was with him in this attempt to set up basically this this uh, aviation yeah, opportunity I- in, in Africa. And they were going to move, we understand, to Harare in Zimbabwe, where they had purchased a number of properties. They always live in a number of properties, a yeah. couple of villas, a couple of apartments, a few penthouses. They move around a lot. So uh, Nessie uh, seems to have been a businesswoman in Port of Benus at the same time. Uh, she was linked to a number of companies, import and export companies. Um, seems to like like the Kinnahans and a lot of these people seems to have drifted from from Amsterdam to, to Malaga and then to Dubai. On his on his LinkedIn page, Christopher Vincent LinkedIn page that is now gone, um, she was listed as part of his companies named and, and pictured and everything like that. Um, so she's uh, she's his long term partner, uh, a younger y- younger woman, um, but she seems to have been operating openly again, like like him again. She's operating openly within that business, that Christopher Vincent businesses, or and a number of businesses there. Um, yeah, and so the Harari link is obviously Zimbabwe is it's one of those countries that you would not have a automatic extradition treaty, for example, with Ireland or with the EU. Supposed to be very beautiful. A very beautiful country, a country that has had a lot of political troubles in recent times. Um, certainly, uh, there, there, in terms of the Mugabe, Robert Mugabe would have been in, in power there. There would have been a lot of breakdown in terms of the, the relationship with the West. There would have been a certain amount of sanctions put on. So it would have looked like this is... They were setting up a a bolt hole maybe mm. in in Arari, which is a really, as you say, a beautiful country, but a troubled country, um, where they could maybe be beyond the reach of the law, if if if, say, there's obviously there's been a lot of people extradited from Dubai in recent times back to Europe. There's increasing cooperation between the police forces. It may have been perceived that that wouldn't ex- have existed in in Zimbabwe to the same extent, um. And that seems to have been a, a get out of a get yeah. out of jail route, literally for them. Um, you see how Christy Kinnahan is always ahead of his son Daniel. I mean, there's no suggestion Daniel's involved in this business. Obviously, you know yeah. it's part of the Kinnahan cartel, but he seems to be being left behind, or at least the plan before the sanctions was he was hanging on in yeah. the United Arab Emirates, where he was going to become the king of the boxing. Yeah. You know, he was going to become that power broker. The father was going to be the power broker with the international cocaine cartels. He was going to be the power broker in boxing. And there you'd have a very happy marriage of, uh, you know, a lot of money coming in and a lot of ability to yeah. wash a lot of money through sports events. Yeah. So, but... Taking over the world. Taking over the world. And, but Christopher... It's kind of like Dr. Evil stuff, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, like, it is an incredible... Uh, I know it's it's not to say this is an achievement, but it's an incredible rise, and you do see with Christopher Senior that he is he is planning ahead. Mm. So the Harari thing really shows 
there is a consciousness that this can all go wrong mm. and all of a sudden the house of cards could fall in, which it has done, yeah. in fairness. And this is a route that, that he is planning where he can still live a life of luxury, you know, possibly be beyond the reach of, of international police forces. Um, he can have a very, very comfortable life in a beautiful country where the economy probably is not as strong and money will go very far. So he's already planning that even as they are at the height of their power and seemingly untouchable to many people um, back back in, you know, before the US sanctions are, are brought in or any, anything like that. He's, he's already making sure that he has a get out of jail card to play. Um, Did you know Christopher Vincent Kinahan was a member of Mensa? I didn't know he yeah. was a member of Mensa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you know, he is, there's no doubt about it, he is by far and above a more interesting character than his son. Like, well, he's an extraordinary character. Well, I think he is an extraordinary character. Um, uh, you know, an extraordinary character, mm. an extraordinary... Uh, he's more private, I suppose, you see, than, than than Daniel, or he seems to be, certainly seems to sit more aloof than him. He he rejected kind of that crew from Dublin. He looked down his nose on the crew from Dublin that his son brought out to Spain initially. And he, you know, they always said that he would meet very few he trusted very few yeah. he actually always lived that lifestyle of set up a meeting change the venue 10 different times nothing wore him out with that like most normal people get tired of that and they'll just you know go along and meet where they arrange to meet he doesn't he just keeps changing venues he'll move around the world he's an incredible energy for it all and I think you know, he, his personal uh, life is maybe of interest to some yeah. degenerates like myself. <laughs> well, I think he, he definitely, uh, like where Daniel had a love-hate uh, relationship with publicity in that he did want good publicity, mm. really, really courted it and desired it. I don't think Christie Sr., uh, you could say the same about him. No. I think he had a hate-hate. So he did, he obviously had his... his, his, his but you behind know. the scenes, he has always been sort of, um, you know, communicating with media and letting them know how stupid they yeah. are and do you know what I mean we we spoke before briefly about his these conspiracy theories we were able to see are in his head yeah. when we when we discovered his social media sites which he was you, you know he was sitting behind and we were able to look at some of the postings on them and oh, totally I think he, he would view from from looking at that and from some other details that have gone up on Twitter that could maybe he could be the source of he would view the the governments the world's governments as malign actors and mm. and for him him to be less malign than them mm. if you know what I mean yeah. so he's looking at a, a very a, a world you know governments the Irish state other states as being people that are oppressing and and you know twisting truth and manipulating people and he is then you know his actions are not maybe as a moral as, as as we would present them at times, you know. He's a God complex, I think. A God complex, maybe so. I mean, there is, the, maybe so, but he, 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 yeah. No, I think he does. And he has this ability and, and Daniel the same, maybe perhaps. I think Daniel's always trying to, you know, to latch onto his coattails in a way to try and be him. But I don't think he is the same kind of character naturally. I think he has to try very hard to do it. But some of the kind of interesting personal bits and we only have bits about Kinahan Senior was obviously he grew up in a very middle class home. He had three sisters who all doted on him. He was the only boy. He was very intelligent, very good at sports, pretty much good at anything he turned his hand to. 
had many opportunities, did get involved in some drug taking at a particular point in his life, but kind of beat it. And that was heroin. Um, you know, he went in and out of jail a little bit. But to have got to the heights that we're talking about him to have got to when he's literally up there at number one, two, three in the entire world as a as a cocaine power broker, or he was attempting to, to consider that you could have had a career without being in and out of jail a little bit would be hard to consider at all. And he did make contacts and got an education, Absolutely. not only on paper out of jail, but in the criminal networking system. Yeah, I mean, it's see, like for a lot of criminals, um, they eventually get caught because they fail to... Uh, reinvigorate themselves, reimagine themselves. So they just keep doing what they're doing and eventually the police catch up with them and and, and they get done, you know. Mm -hmm. But Christie has constantly reinvented himself. I mean, in, in, in the most incredible ways. Um, even when he reached the pinnacle in Spain, where he, he was obviously at, at the pinnacle as, as a trafficker and a distributor, he again reimagined himself then as a businessman in Dubai, constant reimagining and therefore has allowed him to stay to a degree at mm. times one step ahead of the law but it's an it's a very difficult thing to do and you we all know this we tend to just do the same thing again and again and not be planning four or five steps ahead in the future about mm. what's coming next what we need to do next it, it's no different than that's journalists. why we need to go to life coaching <laughs> i'm going to send you to life well, coaching that's well, what that's all about planning yeah. the next sort of yes. two three five and looking, years and looking around the corner and it's a very difficult thing yeah. to do and to do it as well remember uh, it's one thing to be having a life coach sitting in your in your plush south county dublin home but to be he's doing it under huge pressure yeah so you know, and I don't have a life well, coach. You don't have. You don't have people. Uh, no, he's doing it under huge pressure in terms of police and you know murders going around yeah, yeah. and threats. So, but you know, ultimately, while you can admire the, the capability, mm. um, it's, you have to admire the brain. The you have to admire brain the, on him. You do have to admire the brain, but you also have to be aware that the the human consequences of mm. all this stuff, and you, we see it you know, at the very top level, but you see it right down to the calls that get in from people who are, you know, parents who all, who all of a sudden get told they're owed, they're owed 10 grand to a drug dealer. And that is the, the, the longer, and they have to... But sure, he literally doesn't give two hoots about anybody or anything. No. I mean, even his own... When you think about, like, I mean, way back in the day in Dublin when he met Jean Boylan, who was the mother of Daniel and Christopher Senior. Now, Jean Boylan was a, a lady from the South south inner city um, and she ended up working as a cleaning lady when her sons were younger because uh, Christy Kinahan Sr. was in and out of prison a little bit throughout their lives. She reared them in Oliver Bond um, where they were both liked. I speak to people who, you know, when Daniel Kinahan was growing up, he was liked. Yeah. You know, he really was. He was sort of seen as a kind of a good guy and okay, look, they were involved in cannabis dealing and all this sort of stuff Um you know, to, to, to set that aside, to just look at the personality. He certainly is somebody nowadays that's completely unrecognisable to anybody who grew up with him and teenaged with him, yeah. definitely. But anyway, he was with Jean Boylan. She was an extremely good looking woman and um, he lived with her a bit, but he seemed to have been addicted to heroin around that time. I've always been a little bit, um, the jury's out with me on that, whether he was or he had the ability to just experiment with it and walk away from it. And anyway, it's it's seen as a, 
a stick to whip him with now by some of his rivals. They call him a junkie and this, that and the other. Yeah. I wonder. Anyway, um, he, like, I know that they separated and there was spates when he would have had his sons living with him in, in Tala. He had a house out in Tala where he met some of the people who are still connected to his sons um, and, you know, with their businesses around them. But he certainly had another relationship when the, the the boys were very small with a woman in the South Dublin area and had a child with her, seemed to be an in and out of her life. There was another woman I know of in the North Side that he had two children with a boy and a girl and again was in and out of their lives but never settled with them. Yeah. It was like as if he was quite happy to continue having children with yeah. as many different women as possible. This is Christy Senior. Um, in the UK, when he moved there, which you're talking kind of the late 1990s, early 2000s, he married his second wife, a Dutch native called Jacqueline Callenbach. Now, an odd character. An odd character um, who who became uh, famous in the aftermath of, of, of breaking up with Christie Sr. Um, because she ended up marrying a famous killer in, in, in Holland. Who'd and killed a couple of children and was serving a life prison. Yeah, kind of a... a one of those fa- famous... Scary tr- yeah, jail what? guys. Like, I mean, she obviously had her type. She had a type, yeah. yeah. But he, yes, yeah, so she became kind of uh, actually famous in, in, in Holland for that. for that, And, she, and she was kind of fighting for him to get out, this, this very well-known killer, to get out of jail. And she was campaigning for him. And actually, when she was approached and questioned about Christy Kinahan Sr. and her previous marriage to him, she was completely horrified that anybody should link her <laughs> to Christy Kinahan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet was proudly, uh, you know, engaged or married to this guy that was like... Yeah, so she, I mean, she appeared back in company documents back with, with Christy back in when he was living in 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 around the Birmingham area um but yeah she was horrified and she she would uh, contact the newspapers uh when us if it's, if she was mentioned in connection with Christy yeah um it obviously know, ended badly it obviously ended, no though though apparently um she she retained some contact with Daniel and, and Christy Jr so oh, really? it obviously but it ended and um, so and obviously in it just looked like a bad one to me now. I mean, there's a few well, in all our past <laughs> that we might like to be linked to. Um, I mean, she was quite aggressive about threatening newspapers. She was. She, she was. died, by the way. This lady, yeah, a couple she of tragically passed away of, a, of an illness, you know. Um, and then obviously he seems to have settled down with with this woman. Um, there seemed to have been another woman before her, or certainly God knows him anymore. I mean, these are only the ones we know of. I think yeah. there's probably one in every port, to be honest with you. And I think that's actually part, I'm not trying to be funny about that. Yeah. I think that's part of that megalomaniac, narcissistic, sociopathic personality that he has. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's a one word for it all, but I do think that sort of prowess with women, that ability to reproduce because he feels he's so special, he wants to create his own image again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah. And and he obviously has two young kids now at this stage or, or much younger kids. But obviously with, with this lady who we met in the Netherlands, we think around 15 years ago or so. Yeah. And seems to have... have continued the, the relationship in Port of Venus and then yeah. in Dubai but look he's a, by all accounts but what people might, look, I mean what sort of a woman you know you wonder like I was looking at something there at the weekend and we've done it ourselves again and again about the women 
with the men, like the likes of Anita Freeman, who's with Sean McGovern, who's wanted here for murder. The likes of Kiva Robinson, married to Daniel Kinahan. She was the one who said, I do, in 2017, when the DEA were watching uh, a super cartel meet at his wedding and use it as a kind of a crime conference as well as a, a celebration. Um, you know, these women that are with these men of violence, of power, of wealth, they must love the trappings of money. Um, and yet they must be quite cruel themselves, I think. Well, I don't I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's no it's no secret, I suppose, that people, men in with a degree of wealth and power attract women, you know, mm. Um but it must be a, a, a sort of a scary life, I think. Um, but, I mean, that's always been a feature of, of gangland across the world that, you know, sometimes these people don't make a lot of money, but they 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 can become a very attractive big figures within their own communities. I mean, Christy Sr., he's obviously had a, a lot of kids, but he's supported a lot of them as well. Sure, he doesn't being... even have to think about supporting them and the amount of money he has. Like, well, I mean, no. what has he access to now? You'd wonder, or where is... I'm sure he's access to plenty of money still. It's going to take a long while, really, for those sanctions to completely financially break him. But, um, you know, the lifestyle yeah. out in that UAE, living in very luxurious houses, apartments, the moving around bit might be a pain. But then again, if you have staff to move you and you have all your sort of replica items, you don't need to pack a soap bag. No, no. Because you have more than one fancy face cream or whatever in everywhere you go. And then you have staff to look after your children and all the rest of it. I mean, it is a type of lifestyle, one that wouldn't attract me, I have to say. But there's plenty of women out there who... There is, it's there's the plenty of women, and, and, and look, let's be realistic, I mean, people like gangland criminals, like like Christy or, or Daniel, like they are probably complex human beings with degrees of, people are loyal to them because mm. they can be kind, intelligent people on one level, but obviously there's another level as well, and uh, look, I don't know the psychology of, of, of a woman buying into that life, knowing the insecurity, knowing the likelihood of mm. people either, their, their their partners either ending up dead or in prison, which is almost an inevitability. Yeah. They like the whiff of danger though as well. They like, of course it's, and that's... I mean, like Kiva Robinson, Daniel's wife, has previously been married with uh, Mika the panda, Kelly, yeah. Yeah. who was shot dead yeah. outside her home. Yeah. So, I mean... And she went straight back into another... Yeah, which is really, you know, the... As I said, like the inevitability not almost for these guys mm. who reach a certain level, like, I mean, how many of them retire with their, their wealth and mm. are never, are, you know, live out a happy life? I mean, they really, it really does not happen. So few. So look, let's finish up with uh, what happened to this plan to buy the Egyptian military aircraft and the consortium of international journalists who by the way uh, the our own Irish Times is a member of Colm Keena the journalist over there is one of the he was one of the team that uh, helped put together this story and I think the previous one as well yes Colm Keena and, and, and Connor Lally Connor Lally, Connor as, well Lally as well yeah um, so what happened well so the, the contract seemed to have been drawn up and there seems to have been Christie seems to have gone and sought Offered to put up a number of million, but also looked to um, get financing from a from a Dubai company, um, 
but it seems to have all fallen through at the at the last hurdle. Um, the Dubai financing company don't seem to have come across with the money. Um, I think there's always an issue in terms of people involved in organised crime all of a sudden just producing all this money all of one go um, on a personal level. So it just it just seems to have come come apart. Mm. Um, of course, subsequently, in, in the next few months, the, the sanctions will be raised um, by the US government. And that really um, brings an end, I think, to the, to the idea that Christopher Vincent or Christopher yeah. can start going into Dubai companies and looking for financing. Yeah. Um, you know, they set up these companies and they want independent financing because these companies then end up can end up folding. They go bankrupt, they get dropped off, and they don't take all the hit then, mm. you know? Christopher wouldn't Senior wouldn't take all the hit if the company had to be liquidated or something went wrong. Um, so partly that's why they look for financing rather than pump 100 million of their own money into it and, mm -hmm. and see it collapse, you know? So there's a lot more to come, no doubt. I mean, these stories are just emerging constantly. There's been so much has gone on behind the scenes over the last 20 years with the Kinahan organisation and um, you know it's great when you see funding put into the journalism behind exposing yeah. this and yeah. you know we all do what we sort of can with the story absolutely and even members of the public out there sometimes can come up with and, and people who are just researching behind the scenes themselves because a lot of this is really just hard work putting together public information that's out there that you need the time the space and a bit of money to 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 be able to concentrate on but there's plenty of civilian journalists if you'd call them out there who have been working very hard on this story as well and everybody is bringing together a string that will absolutely. ultimately create the full tapestry of what's gone on absolutely and i mean it just shows the power of modern technology as well that these things you know yeah they can be pierced together by by citizen journalists as yeah well. exactly okay well uh thanks for that we shall uh, talk later in the week yes thank you nicola You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. <laughs>